0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, save people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Okay, excited to be with you guys here this morning. My my family they would love to come up sometime, maybe when it's warmer, and we can be in some of your homes as well. We 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 love to do that. I know my wife would love to do it as well. Uh, so this, this morning, we're going to take a break from Romans, which we've been following online. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't never been checking in when we're told to. But uh, just confession, time for that. It's been wonderful. Um, but as I was talking with Pastor Trevor, I'd already kind of planned to talk about love at our church, talking about having a culture of love at Church Planted in Red Deer. And it's like, oh, it's February 14th. So Trevor kind of joked, hey, do you have any old marriage wedding sermons? You know? And, you know, it's kind of a joke, but I'm thinking like, well, actually, I do want to focus on love. So I started reading 1 Corinthians 13, reading through that. Interesting, right? It's a, we use it at weddings, but it's actually in the midst of like spiritual gifting in the church. Like this is the most important mark, love. But as I was reading 1 Corinthians 13, then I was drawn to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, where we'll be today, verses 14 to 21, where Paul prays that we would know Christ's love. And I kept going there and kept praying that. And uh, I don't know about you, what this season has been like for you, if it's been like okay, if it's been hard and trying. I read in, in Matthew uh, 24, verse 12, it talks about kind of in the end times, where lawlessness increase, increases, the love of most will grow cold and not saying we're right there right now but i think we're quickly moving in that direction and as i was reflecting on my own love in my life i was thinking like have i grown more loving over this past year has love increased in my life I just ask that same question to you as a year has passed as we've been in this have you grown more loving Is love something that has marked you myself as i ask that question i would i hesitate to answer quickly. And I think in my hesitation, it kind of reveals part of my heart that truthfully, uh, at times, bitterness has actually been in my heart over the loss of so many things, over the restrictions, and not love. And and, in talking about love, as we'll see, you know, I'm I'm not talking about like Valentine's Day love. That like, you know, once a year, uh, you know, make sure on this day, if you don't show your love on, on February 14th, like you don't love. I'm talking about like 365 days a year love, and I'm not talking about what our culture defines as love. We'll see, we're talking about Christ's love. And so as, I looked, as I'm looking at my own heart and praying this passage from Ephesians, I want to just bring it before you that we would grow in our love. That we would grow in Christ's love, our love for one another and for those around us. And if, if, if you're like me and maybe love hasn't been something that you've been growing in or marked by in this past year, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the word preached, that we'd be applied to our hearts and we would grow more in love. So that, that's kind of my prayer as we look at this prayer of Paul's and as we unpack it. Uh, and I'm just going to pray one more time before we open up uh, the book of Ephesians here. Lord, so thankful to be with this church to be able to share your word and as we look in the book of ephesians even as we as we talk about what paul prayed may you apply that to our hearts may that become a reality in our lives Uh, lord jesus that your love would ever increase and change us lord we can't do it and so i pray that as i preach you would speak through me and change our hearts and fill them more with Christ's love. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a Bible, whatever shape or form, turn to, turn on to Ephesians chapter 3. Looking at verses 14 to 21. Ephesians three fourteen to 21. Paul's prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father That you may be filled with all the fullness of god now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen i love it what a passage of scripture what a prayer that paul prayed just quick background because you guys have been romans ephesians was a few years ago we know the book or the letter to the church at Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, it's kind of broken up into two chunks. The first three chapters are all the indicatives, all these truths. Is this true about you? That you've been loved in Christ, you've been predestined, you've been chosen by him, you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. While you're a sinner, Christ loved you. You've been saved by grace, not by works. There's all these imperatives, Those are, or indicatives, those are truths about you. Because then, when Paul preaches that, kind of the, this passage we're going to look at is like a hinge. It kind of changes Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. And then Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are imperatives, are commands, are now walk in this. If the first three chapters, is that true of you? If that's true of you, here's Paul's prayer for you. And now this is how you walk it out. So we're looking at the prayer in the middle that kind of grips those two uh, sections together. As we look at verses 14 and 15, I want us to see the posture that we are to have in prayer. It's about our heart's position, mainly. It's about our heart's position. Look at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. For this reason. And what he's actually saying is, if you look at chapters 1 and 2, it's for all those things that are true of us, Uh, that he has said before, right? That he has predestined us to adoption. He has redeemed us by his blood. In him we have obtained an inheritance. And and the list could go on and on, chapters 1 and 2, for that reason, if that's true of you. And he also, uh, building in in verse 12, 3 verse 12, talking about Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. If you're in Jesus Christ, saying, for this reason, for what I've said before, I bow my knees before the Father. He bows his knees. Does, does your body position, does it matter when you pray? You can, you can pray standing up. You can pray sitting down. You can pray leaning against the wall. You can pray while you drive. I would recommend not praying as you're about to go to bed. <laughs> or just those quick ones. I don't know about you, have you ever like, I'm going to pray more at night. You get into bed, you're like, and you fall asleep. That's my only, I think that's a, not a good position. Unless you like, it takes you a long time to sleep, then by all means, pray as you're lying down. But Paul was on his knees before the Father. And I think that's even a good position too, a good body position to be in. But more than the body position, I believe it's about our heart's position uh, before the Father. As we see, as we consider and think through, the Lord's Prayer, right? It begins, our, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It begins with this like reverence. I'm, I'm turning, I'm looking up, I'm conf- you're in heaven, I am not. It has a, a healthy fear of God to it. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. We are to be humble and needy as we go before the Father. I think a good example of that is uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18. I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there. Luke chapter 18, verses, verse 9, Jesus tells this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. As I read, I want you to just notice their two positions bodily and their two positions in their heart. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, notice he's standing. God, I I thank you I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. What a bold prayer, right? He's just standing. like, I'm not like that person or that person. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector Standing far off. He was standing too. They're both standing. Standing far off. Would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this, this man went down to this, his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Just look. So it's not so much about the body position. It's about your heart position to come humbly, to come needy, saying, Lord, I I can't do it on my own. You see, Paul, in in Ephesians 3.15, he goes to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And that can be interpreted a number of different ways, whether it's talking about the family of God, or whether it's talking about like God who has created every human being, like the Father of all. I don't think it it really changes how we understand it, but notice that he goes to our Father who is in heaven. The question is, like, do we always go to our Father in heaven? Like Paul goes there, he's going to pray something nobody else can answer, nobody else can do that with. Do it for him, but do we, at times, in our burdens and our needs, go elsewhere? Are we looking sometimes, like, to the government? Can they rescue us from these problems? Are we, maybe sometimes you have a hard day. Maybe you, like, where do you turn to first? Sometimes it's food. To, you know, to just maybe, oh, if I just have this meal, I'll feel calmed down. Sometimes social media. I just need to, like, be numb from what's going on. So we, we turn to other places. It can't even be our family. Right? We're like, we don't quickly turn to God. We turn to maybe those around us. Or in the past, maybe it used to be like circumstances, right? Like, man, it's a really hard season. I can't wait till I just go on holidays. I can't wait till that time. It seems like that time is gone at the moment, but still we would turn to circumstances instead of bowing before the Father, taking our needs before him. But Paul, what he prays, he knows nobody else can answer but the Father. But I just want you to see his posture in in prayer. It's his heart's position. Now, as we, if we look through verses 16 to 19, which is really the meat of what we want to focus on, I want us to see the power through prayer. The power through prayer. In verse 16, as Paul continues his prayer, I want us to see what is this, the source uh, that he goes to. So he prays to the Father, in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit In your inner being like just these amazing this amazing prayer he prays according to the riches of his glory you think god's ability to answer what paul prays his ability to answer never runs out the riches of his glory what a statement ff bruce says this well this passage the glory of god may be viewed as a sum total of all his attributes because God himself is infinite and eternal. His glory is inexhaustible and provides the measure of his generosity when he bestows his gifts. Because his resources are inexhaustible, he cannot be impoverished by sharing them with his children. Just think about anything without a limit and it won't suffice. Think about like a, you get a lifetime guarantee But either it'll break or the company will go out of business before you actually get to utilize it or you'll die. (laughs) That'd be like, those are good products though, right? Like they outlive you. Or think you could go to an all-you-can-eat buffet and none of us could like conquer that. (laughs) Like it wouldn't be a good, you're not like you don't win. (laughs) But even if you could, if you could just keep eating and eating, eventually like their resources would run dry. They wouldn't actually have enough food. So even anything that we can think without limit, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about through the riches of God's glory. This is who Paul, this is how Paul is praying that God would answer his prayer. And if you think about it, think about first his provision in our salvation that Paul has talked about earlier in the book of Ephesians. If you look at Ephesians 1, 7 to 8, Paul says this about Jesus. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. According to the riches of his grace, we've been forgiven. that He, he lavished upon us. I love, I love that phrase. Just think about, so in salvation, like we trust what Jesus has done and it's enough for us. Well, Paul's praying to the same place, to what Christ has accomplished on the cross, the riches of his grace. D.A. Carson says this about, like, trusting in the riches of his glory. To depreciate the supply is to depreciate Jesus. To doubt the provision God has made for us is to doubt the provision God has secured in his Son. It is far wiser to understand and believe that God, who has already so lavishly blessed us in his Son, has no less lavish resources of power to pour out on us as he brings us to Christian maturity. He is, he is persuaded that the supply is, extensive, is as extensive as the benefits secured by Jesus Christ at Golgotha. So as he goes and he prays this prayer, there'll never be a time where God won't be able to answer it because it comes from the riches of his glory. He may, he may, Paul continues to pray, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, that the Holy Spirit would be the one doing this. Strengthened by his spirit is it's a work of God that Paul is praying. Our job is simply to have faith, as we'll see, but it's totally a work of God. And actually, we see the Trinity at work. He's praying to the Father for the Spirit to be at work in us. And as we continue to read that, Christ may dwell in our hearts. It's a work of the Trinity. And where does it happen? It happens in our inner being. It's not dependent on us. I'll highlight it later. It's not dependent on our circumstances. 2 Corinthians uh, 4.16 says this, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Amen? That's that's wonderful news. The older you get, the more you feel that you're getting older. But spiritually, we're being renewed day by day. The spirit at work in our inner being. MacArthur says this, Only God can reach and cure the inner man. And that is where he wants to work. His work begins with salvation. And after that, his main field of work is still the inner man because that is where spiritual life exists and where it must grow. The divine nature imparted to the believer at salvation from 1 Peter 1.3 is at the core of the inner man, is, that, is the base from which the Holy Spirit changes the thinking of the believer. So as Paul prays, I want you to see the source of the power is, is God. And it comes from the riches of His glory. By the Spirit at work in our inner being. In verse 17, I want you to see what is the, the seed, if you will, that was planted. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Like Christ, God in the flesh. Right? Born of a virgin, 100% man, 100% God. Lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sin and our shame, was buried, rose again, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. To, to anyone here who, is, who hears this and is not a believer in Jesus Christ, that my hope for you is that even as you hear this message, you're like, yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust him for my sin for my life maybe praying this prayer that that christ would dwell in my heart that you'd believe it, that you trust in him you'd be saying i'm i'm laying my life down everything at your feet lord have your way in me i pray that would happen in your life today but paul here he's he's writing to christians as he writes That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What is he talking about here? He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about sanctification. Talking about growing in holiness. Growing to spiritual maturity. That Christ would dwell. MacArthur says this, Paul's teaching here does not relate to the fact of Jesus' presence in the hearts of believers, but to the quality of of his presence, that Christ would dwell in our hearts. Because what else could dwell there? We could have pride dwelling in our hearts. Pride of, of work, a certain toy, a house, whatever it is that you're like, man, this is what I'm about. This is actually what, what's reigning in your heart. As I said before, me, myself, what I've seen, you know, have bitterness, Reigning in our heart, dwelling in our hearts, or unforgiveness. It could be towards the government at this time. It could be someone who's wronged you. We could be consumed with anger, and that's actually what could dwell in our hearts. It could be lust. Turn your eyes to things we're not to look at. And that could dwell in our hearts. It could be an idol. always looking to things that maybe we can't have coveting. We're like, man, if I could just have this. And that could dwell in our hearts. And again, I'd, I'd say whatever we're turning to when things get tough, is that dwelling in our hearts. Like where, where's our quick, when things, when the rubber hits the road, as we're going through this trial, as we're going through this hard time, where is your, your first turn? And I'm not saying I've, I, every time I'm turning to God. I'm saying, Lord, help me. I've, I've seen at times I'll, I'll turn towards bitterness. I'll turn towards anger. Paul's prayer, though, that Christ would dwell in our hearts. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let. let the, is Christ's peace reigning in your heart today? And, of course, this is ongoing. James Montgomery Boyce says this, it's true that all who are truly Christians are indwelt by Jesus Christ. But it is also true that this is something they grow into as Christ takes stronger and fuller possession of every corner of their lives. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, through believing and trusting, right? We don't don't bring anything to the table. We simply have open Hands, open hearts. Yes, Lord, reign. Yes, Lord, dwell here. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Again, rooted and grounded in love. What love is he talking about? Well, if the, it's through the strength and power of the Spirit in your inner being. Well, the, the first fruit of the Spirit, right, is is Love. Ephesians 2.4, Paul says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That love, right? Like Romans 5.5, 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The love of Christ, when you believed, when you trusted in him, the Holy Spirit came in you and you had God's love poured into your heart. Paul says that you would be rooted and grounded in that love. and he kind of, He's using like two different analogies that we would be rooted, like thinking of a plant in the ground. Or we could use the language abiding, that we would continue to abide in Christ, but that we would be planted. I think of like Psalm 1. You no, know, blessed is the man who meditates on God's law day and night. He's like a, a tree planted by streams of water. If we're rooted in God's love, the other word that he used, and grounded in love, is actually talking about like laying the foundation of a building. Which, which Christ is that. Christ is the, our foundation in which we build off of. Of his love. So that is is the seed, if you will, for lack of a better term. There's the, the source, which is God, the seed that we would, Christ would dwell in our hearts. As we look at the, the next section, I want you to see that which grows from that. And I'm just thinking of a tree or, or something that just continues to grow and spread, for lack of a better term. We be rooted and grounded in love. Look at verse 18. that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Why do you need strength? Why do you need strength to comprehend, that we may have strength to comprehend? Just think about that. Think about, has anyone ever looked at the sun for long? Without sunglasses? Like, probably not. You get that little glow in front of your eyes. Maybe I'm the only one who's like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that for too long. (laughs) So you need sunglasses, right, to protect your eyes because the sun is so powerful. But Paul's prayer that we would be able to understand and know the love of Christ, we actually, we need strength to comprehend it. Like his love is actually too great and it's too powerful. Like the sun pales in comparison in its power to the love of Christ for us. And we, on, on ourselves, we can't comprehend it, we can't grasp it. So we need the Spirit to give us strength, to give us power to understand Christ's love for us. The strength comes from the Spirit. We may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Why is that? What? all the saints? This like this prayer that he's praying, it's not just like for a special group of Christians. That okay, they get it. They get this secret knowledge. No, it's for all the saints, all believers to comprehend. Paul in, in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Plural. That you, it's plural right? So if you're American, that y'all, y'all being rooted and grounded in love, that all believers would grasp what he is saying. And don't you love, he says, to all the saints. Do you, do you consider yourself a saint? I know I don't want to see any head nodding in any direction. We don't, we don't like identify like, hey, I'm a saint. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we're